0: Well, good morning. Uh, Let's pray together as we get ready to open up God's Word. Lord, it's it's an amazing privilege, and I don't want to take it for granted. I don't want any of us to do that. Uh, Lord, to be able to come and uh, meet with you. Lord, you call us to come boldly into your presence, not because we're so worthy, but because Jesus is, and uh, he has done all that is necessary for us. To come before you, so we do that now. We ask that your Holy Spirit will just open our minds and hearts to grasp what you want to say to us and help us respond um, for your glory, for our good. In Jesus' name, Amen. Are you familiar with the saying, uh, "When all else fails, read the directions"? I think I think I'm getting better at that. I think. Um, it's still a bit of a challenge because I sort of grew up with this mentality that directions are for wimps. So, you know, you get a new thing, new tool, new appliance, new whatever, and my instinct is to just, you know, start using it. You'll figure it out. And if you have a problem, you can always get out the manual and look. Uh, the problem with that, I've discovered, is that um, when you don't pay attention to what the manufacturer says about what they've made, uh, you can end up paying a price. Um, I'm right in the middle of this project where we're—I'm tearing out the old range and putting. Had to make some serious structural changes to get the new one in. And by the last night, I thought I was pretty much done. And this—it's all ready just to slide the new range in, and we're good to go. And then I decided to take a look at the manual. <laughs> Found out. This great thing I'd done actually hadn't done it right, so it's going to cost me. It's going to cost me some time and money and and energy. Um, that's just how it is. You know, you don't pay attention, you end up paying a price. That is so much more true when it comes to reading God's directions about the things that He's made, like us, like marriage. And family, and when we ignore what he has said, when we ignore his directions, we pay a price, and it can be a very steep price. Some of you know that from experience. Uh, maybe the family you grew up in was not really lived; people weren't really living according to God's directions, and, and you've paid a price, or others have. So, in this series, Homewreckers, what we're doing, we're looking at God's directions for the family. And, and by the way, I want to let you know about something coming up in August on the 23rd. Uh, August 16th, we're having our, our first annual church picnic, and I hope you'll come to that. So the second hour, we'll have worship the first hour. Second hour, we're going to go down to Vancouver Lake Park, and we've got a picnic structure reserved, and it's going to be great. Hope you hope you come. The week following that, the 23rd, uh, I want to do a, a question and answer time after the worship service. We'll take a break. We'll come, and then those of you who want to be a part of that, just come. Uh, this, this series will be over by then, but we want to just have some time if you have questions. Because some of the things we've talked about, husbands loving wives, wives respecting husbands and, and all that, um, you know, you may have some questions about how does that actually apply in this situation or that situation that you know about. And If you want to submit your questions early, that, that'd that be great. Uh, you can email me, Scott at phillida.org, or you can write it on one of those connect cards that's in your folder and turn it in. But we're planning to do that on the 23rd of August, so I hope you will take part in that if you'd like to. God's directions for the family, and in particular, how to protect our families from various things that threaten them. And as I said before, what threatens a family most is, is really not what the culture does, uh, though we might think that, and our culture certainly is very confused when it comes to the family, but what threatens a family the most is when the members of the family uh, refuse to follow God's directions and refuse to follow the most important direction, which is to rely on Jesus Christ, to know Him, to trust Him, to follow His instructions. So, husbands who refuse to love their wives, uh, we identified that as home record number one. Wives who refuse to respect their husbands, we identified that as home record number two. And today we're going to be looking at home record number three children who refuse to obey their parents. So let's take a look. We're in Ephesians chapter 6 and verses 1 through 3. There's a note sheet in your folder. If you want to pull that out, take some notes. The scripture's on there. It'll also be on the screen. Ephesians 6 says this. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. Now he's quoting from the Old Testament from Exodus chapter 20 and the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Pretty straightforward. Who's it talking to? Well, it's addressed to children and even though everyone is a child of someone, uh, this is talking to people who've not yet reached adulthood, who are still under their parents' authority. Uh, So in our culture, this would apply to young people under the age of 18. But before the rest of you tune out, (laughs) even if you're over 18, I think you're going to see some things that apply to you. Because just as everybody is the child of somebody, everybody has to obey somebody. Everybody has to obey somebody. It might be your boss at work. It might be the police officer you see in your rearview mirror flashing his red lights at you. It might be the uh, Clark County Auditor's office informing you that your property taxes are due. Obedience is not just for kids. In fact, look at First Peter 2.13. Now, this is addressed to everyone who's a believer in Jesus, every follower of Christ. First Peter 2.13 says, Submit yourself for the Lord's sake, for Jesus' sake, to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right or even when it comes to your church, your church family. Hebrews thirteen seventeen says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. So even though I'm mainly going to be talking about kids obeying their parents, there may well be something in this that God wants you to hear, even if you're no longer a kid. Because let's face it, We all have a problem with obedience, don't we? Yes, we do. And you know what? It's not a knowledge problem. It's not like we don't know what obedience means. And it's not even that we sometimes disobey, even though we do. That's a problem, but that's not the biggest problem. You know what the biggest problem is? The biggest problem with obedience that we have is that we think we should be able to decide for ourselves when to obey and when not to. Let me explain what I'm talking about. Okay, all of us, we're just going to be honest here, all of us have disobeyed some law, some rule, sometime. It might have just been 15 minutes ago when you were driving to church. Okay? <laughs> And maybe, to speak to recent history, maybe it was the law about fireworks. (laughs) You know, which ones are legal to shoot off and when you can legally shoot them off. Uh, Maybe it was a speed limit. Maybe it was those state laws about paying sales tax on items you buy in Oregon. Did you know there's such a thing? See, you're meddling, Pastor. Move on, move on. (laughs) And the biggest problem is not that we disobey, and I do say we, I include myself fully in this, it's not just that we disobey, it's that we try to justify our obedience—a disobedience, we try to say it doesn't matter, it's okay because, and then we come up with a bunch of excuses. Well, that's a stupid law. I was in a hurry. Well, nobody else does that, nobody else follows that law, why should I? Now, we all do this, but you got to understand how messed up this is. Because what we're really saying when we make those excuses is, I get to decide. I get to decide when I obey and when I don't. It's up to me. And to make it sound even worse, to put it even more bluntly, what we're saying is, I'm in charge. I'm in charge. I am the ultimate authority for my life. Now, that's absurd. It's not even close to true. It's not true when drivers break traffic laws. I mean, try that line in court sometimes. See how that works. Well, yes, Your Honor, I realize I was going 15 over the speed limit, but you have to understand, Your Honor, I get to decide. I get to decide when I obey and when I don't. See how that works for you. It's not true for kids who break their parents' rules. And it's not true for anybody who breaks God's rules, God's laws. It's just not true. There is only one ultimate authority. And it's not you. It's not you. It's not me. And here's the point I'm trying to get to. This ultimate authority has commanded us to obey God. Lesser authorities, just like we see here. So, obedience is a relevant topic for everybody. Uh, and it, we, we, just, we all need to learn to obey and why it matters. And that begins with children obeying their parents. Children, obey your parents and the Lord. Okay, so if you're a child or you're an adolescent, you're a teen, um, how do you do that? Or, you know, if you have somebody else in your life that you need to obey, how do you do it? What is the point of that little phrase at the end, in the Lord? Okay, well, the Lord, that's referring to Jesus in this context. So, see what this does? This connects obedience with believing in Christ. It connects obedience with believing in Jesus. What's the connection? How does that work? If this is what God wants you to do, how do you do it in the Lord? How do you obey in the Lord? I want to show you. We're okay, going to look at two things. First, to obey in the Lord, you need to care about what God says is right. You need to care, actually care about what God says is right. Uh, Verse 1, Obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Now, I don't know what comes in your mind when you hear that, for this is right. It's very possible that when you hear that, what you think is, Obey your parents and the Lord, for this is correct. This is the right thing to do. And it's certainly true that obedience is the right thing to do. But this means much, much more than that. Okay, the word for right here... This is the same word that we usually translate righteous. Righteous. And to say that something is righteous means that it measures up to a standard. And what's the standard? The standard of righteousness is the character of God himself. The character of God himself. So to be righteous is to be like God. To do what's righteous is to do something the way God would do it. Now think about this, because this, uh, this was really blowing my mind as I was thinking about this this week. There is something about obedience that reflects the person of God himself. There is something about obedience that reflects God. Now, I talked about this when we did the message on submission, but it's really worth pondering, okay? So think about this. Leadership, submission, obedience, those are all good things and the reason they are good things is because they are part of the very nature of God himself. All right? Now, there, the Bible teaches that God is one God who exists eternally in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And these three persons are absolutely equal in their essence, their essential nature, uh, their their godness. So, whatever it is that makes God God, the Father has it, the Son has it, the Spirit has it, fully, equally. Okay, so each person of the Trinity is eternal. Each person of the Trinity is all knowing. Each person of the Trinity is all understanding, all wise, all powerful, and so on. And this is why, this is why when someone becomes a believer in Jesus, we are told, we are commanded to baptize them in the name, notice singular, the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. One name, one God, three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. So, full equality. Okay, now, you got that? Go like this. Yeah, okay, you got that. Now, I I mean, I know you don't got it in the sense that, yeah, I understand that, Um, but you heard me say it. Okay, good. (laughs) That is not all the Bible says about God, though. The Bible also teaches that these three equal persons have different roles, in accomplishing all that God aims to accomplish. So God the Father initiates, He directs, He commands, and God the Son obeys. In fact, Jesus said in John 6:38, "I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of Him who sent me, the Father." And what is so beautiful about this is there's no resentment. There's no uh, jealousy. There are no power struggles in the Trinity. Okay? The Son delights in the leadership of the Father. And the Father delights in the obedience of the Son. So... We, have, we just have to understand this. True leadership, true leadership is not something invented by power hungry control freaks. Okay? True leadership is reflective of God. And true obedience is not a humiliating thing that only weaklings have to do. True obedience is a righteous thing because it's a God-like thing. And one of the reasons we get into trouble in our families is because we're so prone to forget that there are much bigger things at stake here in our families than just what we want and what makes us happy. Okay, now... God wants that, but there are much bigger things. God designed marriage. God designed the family for so much more than just to meet our needs. God wants our needs met. He wants us to be happy. But the main reason God wants our families to be happy is because he wants our families to display what he is like. So God created marriage mainly to show the world what the love of Jesus Christ looks like. And God created families to show the world what it looks like that God loves and leads like a father and that God obeys like a son. Now, I know that sounds so weird to think of God obeying, but that's what Jesus does. Jesus obeys the Father, Jesus delights to obey, and Jesus is God. So, this is why children obeying their parents, or any of us obeying legitimate authority figures over us, This is why it's a beautiful thing. This is why it's a righteous thing. It's not just a correct thing. It's not just the right thing to do. It's a beautiful thing that reflects the beauty of God Himself. Now, if you're a kid living at home, it probably doesn't feel like that. It doesn't feel like obeying your parents' is ultimately all about God. You know, that when your parent tells you to do something, you think, well, good, here's an opportunity to show the glory of God. <laughs> That's not what it feels like. What it feels like is your parents don't get it, and they don't give you enough freedom, and stuff like that. I mean, grief, what in the world does God have to do with whether or not I get to drive the car this Friday night, you know? doesn't feel like God's the issue. But that's because none of this stuff comes naturally to us. None of this stuff about the family comes naturally to us. We don't think, we just don't naturally think about how God connects to all the details in my life. And if I'm driving down the road and I'm in a hurry and I want to go over the speed limit, it doesn't feel like God's the issue. And that's why, see, this is our problem in everything is, as as broken people as people born disconnected from God because of sin in the world and the sin we inherit and the sin we do, our tendency is to disconnect everything from God. And in the gospel of Jesus Christ, we begin to be able to connect everything to God. This is why all of these commands to the family begin with, be filled with the Holy Spirit of God and submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. See, we have to consciously choose to rely on Jesus and to, to live to honor Him. Now, how do you do that? How do you consciously connect the dots? How do you consciously choose to rely on Jesus? Okay, basically, by believing what He says and asking him for his help. Believe what he says, do what he says, and ask him for his help to do it. This is is why that, you know, it's it's such a cliche, but so often the answer to some issue comes down to read your Bible and pray. Read your Bible and pray. And it can be a cliche if you're just going through the motions, but if what you're doing is, I want to know what God says about this, I want to know what he says, I want to do what he says, and I want to ask him for his help. That's relying. And when we do that, when we do that, we have this incredible ability. This is what ultimately is at stake. We have this incredible ability to honor Jesus Christ in our lives and in our families. Now, if your parents aren't Christians, this can be incredibly hard to do, uh, especially if your parents are involved in unhealthy things. And by the way, this command, uh, that phrase, in the Lord, okay, that means that obeying your parents never includes sin. So young people, if your parents are telling you to do something that the Bible says flat out is wrong, you can't do it, but you need to say no as respectfully as possible, And and by the way, that's true for all of us in any situation. There's there's really only one exception to God's command to obey those in authority over us. There's really only one exception. And I'm in a hurry, isn't it? The, The exception is, the only exception is when obeying that authority would mean disobeying God. If it involves disobeying God, you can't do it. Okay, but listen to this that this truth that obedience is righteous this truth means that you and i and and young people living at home you have the ability to show your parents and we all have the ability to show others to show them jesus by the way we obey by the way we obey see young people you can show your parents that jesus is real by showing them that he is alive in you and that he is at work in you and he is changing you from the inside out. We all have that opportunity. So you don't want to be thinking, okay, my parents told me to do this. I really don't want to do that. How can I get out of it? How can I not do what they said and not get into trouble? Don't do that. That's what kids who don't know Jesus think, right? How can I disobey and get away with it? Instead, try this on. How can I obey them better so they can see Jesus in me? That would be true for all of us. How can I obey better so they can see Jesus in me, in my attitude, in my facial expression, in how I go about this? Jesus showed us that obedience is righteous. It's God-like. So you need to care about what God says is right. And the other thing is this. To obey in the Lord, you need to want, you need to want all that God has promised. You've got to want what God has promised. In other words, make obeying your parents something you want to do because it's good for you. And I say that because verse 2 here reminds us that one of the ten command, the the commandment about honoring your father and mother, that has a promise connected to it, that it may go well with you, that you may live long in the land. Now, here's what that means that means God wants us to want to do this. See, that's what promises do. The whole point of a promise is to motivate to motivate you on the inside, to motivate you internally. Because, see, real obedience is never just an external thing. (laughs) You laugh because you've seen it, or you've done it. You know, like the kid at school who his teacher wanted him to sit down, and he didn't want to sit down, and she finally made him sit down. And he looked at her and he said, I may be sitting on the outside, (laughs) but on the inside, I'm standing up. See, that's not obedience as God defines it. Uh, you know, Jesus had a word. Jesus had a word for people who only obeyed on the outside, when it wasn't what they wanted to do, it wasn't what they believed, it wasn't what they really felt. It's called being a hypocrite. Okay, He said, "You hypocrites! Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me." So, what when you do? When what you do on the outside doesn't match what you want and what you feel and what you think on the inside, that's a problem. God doesn't regard that as obedience. Motivation matters. (laughs) Okay, so how do you want to obey when you don't want to obey? That's the question. How do you want to obey when you don't want to obey? You choose to believe God's promise that obedience is good for you. See, the whole point of this promise for children is that children who who obey their parents typically live better lives than those who don't because they are living the way God set life up to work. Which means you've got to believe God's promise more than you believe the promises of our culture. More than you believe the culture which tells you that your parents are stupid and rebellion is cool. Okay? It's kind of funny to me how parents consistently get this, you know, rumor that they're stupid because they all used to be kids who were smarter than their parents. So I'm not sure, I guess just having children makes you stupid. Something like that. You know, rebellion just usually doesn't work out. It, you think you're going to be happier, but you, you usually aren't. You've got to trust God more than you trust anyone else. And, you know, frankly, your parents, just saying, your parents are probably not as dumb as you think. They're probably not. But, okay, let's just assume, for the sake of argument... Let's just assume for the sake of argument that you, that you really do know more than your parents, maybe on a particular issue. Let's just assume you're, you're smarter than they are. Okay, what do you do then? Well, I want you to consider the example of Jesus when he was 12 years old. See, Jesus used to be a kid. And when he was 12, he and his parents went to Jerusalem. They lived in Nazareth. They went up the mountain to Jerusalem there to celebrate the Passover Big, big deal. I mean, everybody goes. The whole family travels in a gigantic, you know, aunts, uncles, cousins. Everybody goes up to Jerusalem together. They celebrate the Passover, and then they all in a big group go. And so, you know, Jesus is off with his cousins and everything. And they're traveling for a whole day away from Jerusalem when suddenly his parents realize they haven't seen him. And they start asking around, and nobody's seen him. He's missing. So they go back to Jerusalem looking for him. This is what happens in Luke 2.46. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Now, just a quick aside, I think there's a lesson here for parents, Uh, Maybe especially for moms. Notice how personally she takes what Jesus did. She doesn't say, hey, son, what happened? Hey, son, what were you thinking? No, she says, son, why have you treated us like this? (laughs) She takes it very personally. She interprets what Jesus did as something he did to her. And I think it's easy for moms and dads to do that, to interpret their kids' disobedience whatever it is as it's directed at them you don't love me you don't respect me you know i just want to caution you not to assume that because there might be something else going on here it might not all be about you so that was certainly the case here uh jesus asks why were you searching for me he asked didn't you know i had to be in my father's house But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. Now, three things to notice. First, Jesus at 12 years old was very smart. Probably smarter than his parents. Number two, they did not understand him. Which is what most teenagers think about their parents. (laughs) And number three, he obeyed them anyway. He obeyed them anyway. Children, obey your parents in the Lord because it's right, it's righteous, and because God promises good things to children who trust him enough to do what he says. All right, let's pray together. Gracious Father, we come before you and confess that we are rebels. Even if our rebellion looks very religious, if it looks very proper, it looks very good on the outside, Lord, you know our hearts. You know we struggle to obey. You know we want to be in charge. And Lord, I'm so grateful that you have given us a Savior. That you forgive us of our rebellion in Jesus. That you nailed our rebellion to the cross with him. And you stand ready to forgive every rebel who will just admit that we're wrong and come to you and receive your forgiveness. And Lord, will you teach us how to obey? Will you teach us to see that it's a beautiful thing? And will you help every young person here who is struggling? Maybe their family situation isn't very good. And maybe it's really hard to obey. Lord, just encourage them with your promise. Encourage them with the thought that obedience is beautiful. And it reflects who you are. Help us all with that, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.